Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 269th edition of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter at HawkBlogger. And, whoo, folks, when we decide to do a show, when we decide to do a show, apparently the rest of the, the Seahawks brass decides that every piece of Seahawks news is going to break that day. We have so much to cover. We have so much Seahawks news, so much injury news. We have contract news. We have divisional injury news and contract news. We have patron questions. We've got a game to preview the first game of the season. There is a lot, a lot to cover. We will probably not do it in 60 minutes, but we will try to do it much faster than the two and a half hours we, we spent on the prediction show. Which, by the way, was fantastic. Uh, it was it was great. Uh, you all did wonderfully. And Dana, we didn't get to have you on the prediction show, but we did get to read your predictions, and uh, there were a lot of good ones in there. So let me bring in the crew because there is so much to get to. We'll start there with Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. Dana, Dana, how are you feeling? It is week one of the 2023 season. It is. I feel like the football world has descended on my head this week. <laughs> like it's, it's chaos for me this week with all the stuff I have to do. But today I got some really good news about Jamal Adams. And so I was real happy about that, which we're going to talk about because not everyone thinks it's good news. <laughs> I think it's great news. Uh, yes, we will definitely get to that news and try to figure it out. I'm, I haven't decided yet if it's good news or not, but, but uh, it's, it's definitely confusing on a number of levels. One of the people that will help us decipher that, our salary cap expert uh, himself, Evan Hill, at Evan Hill HB on Twitter. Evan, Evan, the last time you did a show with us, you know, you barely survived. Uh, I barely know. survived? Yeah, well, you're... Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Do You know what? Actually, let's not... I won't go okay into any that. details, but yeah. but it was it was a harrowing night for you. So let's hope it's a, a more straightforward <laughs> evening for you tonight as we talk Seahawks. Yeah, no natural disasters this evening. That's cool. that's the plan. Good, good, good. Uh, Nathan Ernst at Nathan E is here with us. Let's do a quick technical check with Nathan. Can you say something, Nathan? Let's see if it actually if you can hear us and we hear you without any delay. This is this is the new Nathan test. 
I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh my god! Oh, it's so clear. It's buttery. It's so crisp. Give yes. it, give it time. It's always oh. about fifteen minutes in, and it uh, starts to have a little heart attack. But we'll you see. Should re- you should record like audiobooks because I would totally fall asleep to your voice, Nathan. I don't know oh. about that. I feel like I'm a mush mouth, but no, I, I think I think Evan's onto something. I think you have you have well, some ASMR, salty, ASMR, salty ASMR. yeah. Hmm. I, I don't know if ASMR. Do you Just listen ideas. to ASMR, Evan? Uh, I have it on for my dogs actually a lot. Um, it soothes them. It like calms them down. Yeah. Like what? I've never heard of it for dogs. I'll just like pull up like random ASMR channels like on YouTube and I, not any particular one, but yeah. Huh. I'd never heard of that. Um, maybe I'll try that with my dog who has some neurotic moments. Well, I, I, I find it just like calms it you know it, it reduces any of the outside noise whether it's like a mailman stopping by or whatever it just i don't know it calms things down uh so for folks watching i was just like typing a response to somebody we are we are trying something new tonight feel free to offer your two cents and feedback uh I'm mucking around with the layout because um uh we have been doing green screen backgrounds and frankly, what we use to, to do our streams, I don't think that's the best job of it. So you see a lot of, uh, you know, cutting out of noses and faces and ears. We're going to see if, if this is a little bit better uh, for that, but let us know, let us know how you feel about it. We're, we're always happy to change and, and mess around at any time. Um, and for folks asking if we can turn on super chat, I am surprised we don't have that on. Uh, that might be something that is not getting set uh, we'll work with, with Trey and see if that can get set. Maybe not for tonight's show, but for future shows, if for some reason that is not getting set for this one. Okay. First topic. I'm going to do this a little bit dealer's choice. Style. I'm going to ask each of you, what was the biggest piece of news today from your perspective? And you can pick one thing. Don't go through like six things and take something from everybody else. And it's okay for two people or three people to say the same piece of news. It's okay. So I would ask each of you to think about of all the news that came out today, what was the biggest piece of news? And Dana, we're going to start with you on this topic. Okay. I know you're going to expect me to say Jamal Adams, but that's not it. I think the JSN news was probably the biggest news. Um, I'm a little worried that he might be coming back a little soon, but I think overall game plan wise, that is going to be huge for the offense just to have that third receiver. I mean, even if he doesn't play a ton, we don't even know how much they'll have him on the field, but just to have that threat there. And that just opens up the, um, the other two DK and Tyler. So I, I think that was huge. I have, I was excited about all of them. I know (laughs) we'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it. You'll get a chance on that. And we also should, for for folks that are not as obsessed as we are not following everything, we will also share what the piece of news was. So Dana, the the news was about JSN. That he will play in week one. Now, again, we don't know how much, but that he'll play that quickly after his surgery. Huge. It is huge. And I got to say on the JSN front, there's this weird thing with Pete Carroll where in most cases he is like, we're going to, we're going to take care of the guy. We're going to do what's right Mm -hmm. and take care of the guy. We're going to be kind of conservative in that regard. And we're not going to rush them. 
And then there's every once in a while, these guys where he talks glowingly about how tough they are and how they're, they're not having any of it. And they're just out on the field and like, they're not, there's no problems at all. And it feels a little bit weird. It feels like he, he values guys that play through stuff, but he also seems to not allow some guys to play through stuff. And I don't know if it's the doctors that are keeping him from being able to make that choice or if literally like some guys just convince him that they should be able to play. I don't know. Like, but like I said, he's saying. been very pumped about the fact that this guy's going to like, yeah. he's all the right things. He never said the word legit. It was never a legit injury. So I had a good feeling from the get because we all know, you know, Pete Carroll code. And when he's like, it's a legit injury, you're like, crap, he's out the season, right? Like you just know. But he never said that about him. But I think that he thought maybe because they said right after it happened that maybe it would be two weeks ish. So to have him back for week one, I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Dana or or anybody on this, did any of you catch like a glimpse of if he was wearing anything on his hand during practice today? Just out of curiosity. Didn't see today. So earlier though, he did have, it it wasn't like the club that, you know, the defensive linemen wear, but he definitely had something wrapped up, but I I didn't look, I hadn't seen pictures from today. So I don't know. Okay. Maybe someone in chat can tell us. Nathan, are you aware of the news of the day? I'm aware of that piece of news and the Jamal Adam news. Is there other news of the day that I'm missing out on? Okay. There absolutely will, is. There's there's a there's a fair bit of news. And so I, did, I that's why I wanted to ask because here here's the deal, folks. Like a lot of us, you know, we work full-time jobs, we have families, you don't catch every little thing on on Twitter. And so I don't want to put Nathan in too bad of a spot. Uh we will fill you in on some of the news um, and we will let you maybe break the Jamal Adams news for people that don't know about it. If that's the, the one that gets left off. So we'll come give back to you, another. Nathan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, give me multiple choice here. Um, Evan, mm. biggest piece of news for you today. This news came out today. Absolute bombshell. We've been tweeting about it for hours. Jason Myers named one of the team captains. For the 2023 Seattle Seahawks. That was a pivotal moment today. I've been excited all day long. That's a participation trophy. I'm just saying. <laughs> <you know. laughs> I'm just saying, your Pro Bowl kicker, team captain, 2023 season. Couldn't be more excited. I'm I'm disappointed in your your selection. What did you think I was gonna say? Uh, something that actually was worthwhile. That that is that is that is that is. Ugh. I don't like that answer, but I, I, I am not surprised by it in any way, shape or form. Um, all right, Nathan, I will give you a potpourri of Seahawks news and you can tell me of these things, what stands out to you. Okay. Um, Devin Witherspoon uh, practiced again and is not yet committed for this week, but is on track to potentially play this week. Mike Morris, Cam Young, Derek Hall, Daryl Taylor are all expected to play in this game. They're back practicing. They are expected to play. Uh, Pete Carroll today said that um, about these guys. That, so that was news. Um, we have the Jamal Adams contract 
extension or re restructuring, I should say. It's not an extension. It's a restructuring. And we'll, we'll kind of get into that in some more detail. Nick Bosa signed a uh, an extension and is reporting for the 49ers. Largest, ex largest contract for any defensive player in, I think, history. Cooper Cup is out. That's the one I think is is this is the one piece of actual news. Um, Interesting. Like, go ahead. The re Adams restructure thing. It doesn't mean anything in and of itself. Like, is it a portent of some move to come? Maybe, but maybe not. I mean, we've seen them restructure guys in the past and do nothing with it, or, or, or nothing like massive, anyways. Um, JSN playing this weekend. Maybe that's a big deal. Maybe he's really hurt and isn't going to play much. Um, you know, he's still recovering. Um, <clears throat> Nick Bosa signing that deal. Like, I think that was probably really just a foregone conclusion. Um, Mike, Mike Morris. I, I mean, okay, <laughs> cool. Oh, yeah. Dana, are you going to let that go? It's fine. Yeah. It's Nathan. It's fine. It's just the way it is. I, I'm fine. <laughs> is there some sort of like filter you put on Nathan's takes where you're like, oh, I'm just not going to let that bother me. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but uh, even if you're a big fan of one of those guys, and like, obviously I like Hall, Taylor could be big, but like, these are also, it's the same thing with JSN. Like what shape are they actually in? Are they going to be Fair. massive contributors? We won't know until this weekend. So that's when I think like some of the news around that will really be made. Um, Cup being out is the only like definitive thing here where we know that this is a big deal and it's going to have an impact on the game. And so I think Cup being out is the most interesting thing. At least me thinking this maybe a myopic kind of like, holy shit, it's week one, let's go. Uh, that's the most interesting, most impactful piece of news we have so far. All right. I love it. This is why I was asking all of you where, for me, I mean... I'm still questioning whether Witherspoon's going to play the, 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 the code I'm hearing and how Pete's talking about it is he's got to prove a lot by Friday to get in this game. And that Pete probably wants to be more cautious with him than to play him this week and doesn't feel like he needs to. So I'm a, but if, if that holds and he plays to me, that's the biggest news, but it's really kind of the macro news where it was a week ago maybe at most two weeks ago, but really it was a week ago. The conversation among Seahawks fans were like, our entire draft class is injured. Our, like We've got so many injuries. And now you're talking about what most likely is going to be the season debut on, on Sunday for JSN, for Derek Hall, for Zach Charbonnet, for Cam Young, for Mike Morris. That's a, that's a big deal. Like, I think that's a really big deal. And I think that also relates to the fact that John Schneider did a presser, I think it was yesterday or maybe two days ago, and was pretty clear that they were still looking on the defensive line and they still were looking for how to make changes to the roster on that side. And Pete Carroll today said, hey, it's a big deal that Mike Morris is out there and Cam Young, we don't really need to make a move if those guys are available. So agree or disagree with his position on that, but I think it's pretty meaningful news from the Seahawks roster perspective. Uh, and for other folks that don't know, I think today, maybe it was yesterday, but I think today is the day 
that if you're on the 53 man roster, you're getting the first week paycheck. So for folks that are kind of tracking, what's the real 53 man roster for week one, it's now set. Um, and so like there's guys that are going to be getting their first paycheck. I will say beyond that, another piece of news that I want to throw out for this group, um, DK Metcalf and Bobby Wagner both had some pretty fascinating interviews today. And two things that stood out to me in those one DK Metcalf talking about Jake Bobo in about as glowing a terms as you can imagine. He said that he missed, you know, he was in OTAs. He was looking at, at tape and basically was like, who's this kid is 19 who keeps getting open and then has been asking him, how are you getting open? I thought speed is what gets you open at receiver. How are you at four, nine, nine getting open all the time? And I thought that was pretty cool and pretty interesting on a number of levels. It, like I think from a maturity perspective for DK and also for what it means for Bobo. And then Bobby Wagner slipped in a little bit of something that I don't think we've really talked about and probably isn't that material overall for the season, but he said that he spent a fair amount of time picking Sean McVay's brain about how he attacks the Seahawks. And I think that's a pretty fascinating piece to now bring into the building and could have direct implication on this game this week. And uh, it could be a curious thing, like how much of that back and forth. So there was a crap ton of like, I think pretty meaningful stuff that came out today. Um, Evan, I'm going to go back to you because I, I, I almost just can't take the, 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 the Jason Myers answer of all these other things that actually do matter. Um, anything's that there that, uh, that, that jumped out to you caught your attention. I think it's definitely the Jamal Adams thing. Talk that's, to us about it. That's a, that's a big deal. It, it, I think there was like a little bit of doubt whether he would be a Seahawk in 2024, just based off the injury concerns he ha has had over the past couple of years. Talent, obviously not a question mark, but what they ended up doing actually was converting a big portion of his base salary in 2023. So he originally pre this move had $11 million in base salary for this year. They converted 9.92 million of that into signing bonus, which is prorated equally over three years. So this year, 2024 and 2025, it opened up basically 6.6 .6 mil in cap space for 2023 while reducing their 2024 and 2025 cap space figure by three mil. Now the important line on top is basically, so the bottom line on top is basically an additional six million cap space this year. And it basically makes it impossible to cut him in 2024. It makes it difficult to extend him without getting a ton of, you know, uh, um, cap relief. They could still do it, but um, even 2025 would, would be painful. They could do it, but, but they could, they could do it. So long story short, um, if there was any doubt about whether Jamal Adams is in their plans for this year, next year, and probably 2025, those should probably be gone. Um, this is an interesting move at an interesting time. Part of me wonders why now. They had a couple million. I Maybe they wanted a little extra financial wiggle room as they you know, went throughout the year with like injury settlements or maybe trade moves, trade options, whatever. But um, 
they must feel very comfortable in his medical updates and reports that they're getting from doctors because otherwise I don't think they would have made this move. Dana, you're excited about this move. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why? Well, a couple of different reasons. I I love Jamal Adams. I love his leadership. Right. And so, and when he's healthy, he is truly an impact player. He is just an insanely good player when he's healthy. And that's been the issue. Right. And so I find it really interesting that they have decided to basically say to him, you do not have to worry about your job next year. We understand that injury and how hard you fought to come back from it. That matters to us. And that is such a Pete Carroll, John Snyder thing to do, right? They, they, they play that loyalty card pretty well to an extent. I also wonder then, and I saw this a little bit on Twitter, so I can't even say that I came up with it on my own. It's like, so I wonder if he has had conversations with them saying, you know, if I get hurt again, I'm not doing this again, I'm going to retire. And so then they have a different little bit of leverage later on down the road. Also could be they have someone, you know, in mind to bring in to, for the team. We've talked a million times that the best way that they can find money is to restructure Jamal Adams contract. We've said that a thousand times on this show. And so now that they've done it, that too makes me think that there's something in the works here, but here's the, the bottom line. Jamal Adams obviously is wanted there. He's loved by the players. They love having him there. So they they want him to feel secure in that. And I just think that makes it for a stronger team, even though he might not play for a while. Obviously, they think he's going to play before four games. They would have kept him on pup. But I right. think that um, I think that this just, to me, gives the boost of confidence even more to this team that they have just been raving about so much. And I think he's a huge piece of it. I mean, he was going to be last year. Yeah. Let me add just a little bit here. Mm -hmm. So looking forward in terms of like roster construction and where they're at salary cap perspective, um, 2024, they don't have a lot of cap space. Yes, there's going to be some cuts. Noah Fant, maybe Will Disley, Miles Add. There's some potential names that can open up space pretty quickly. But when we look at the safety room, we're talking, and this is just a fact, right or wrong, we're talking almost $50 million allocated towards Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams in 2024 and an additional eight mil for um, Julian love. So it's a lot of investment in, in that, in that position. And uh, they're making a bet clearly that this is going to pay off. And obviously I hope it does. It, it just, it, it it makes me take a big gulp knowing his, his injury history. Um, But there's no question. I, I am. I have so many questions about this is very, it's a very confusing move to me. Evan or others, do we know if there's any significance to the timing of this from a, like if they were to want to make this move two weeks from now or three weeks from now, is there something that would keep them from doing it? No. I mean, the only thing to consider is like, it, it would be, remember his base salary is prorated over 17 games. So if they did it two weeks from now, it would open up like 1.5 million less in cap space for 2023. So that's the only real difference. And on the other side of that too, if they have their eye on someone and maybe just now going into the season, that GM is like, okay, yeah, he is on the block. Now we're sick of dealing with them. Cup Chris Jones. And so, you know, we'll have to see, I don't want Chris Jones in Seattle. I'm just saying, but something to that effect, they're like, okay, going into our, you know, first week, we want to get rid of this guy and we're going to trade it. So maybe the conversation trade changed and they want, someone in camp faster than not. So no one may know the answer to this. And it's okay if you don't, but if you do, what field Yates 
tweeted out today, three hours ago now, was effective today at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So this is today. This is specific to today. The NFL's top 51 cap space rule went away for the season. Many teams created cap space through contract restructures, and this was one of them. What does that mean that the top 51 cap space rule went away for the season? And is there a reason that that would make today a day that they needed to make this decision versus later? Yeah, I've got an answer for this. So in the offseason, top 51, we have a 53 roster man, man roster li limit. The top 51 rule means that only the top 51 highest paid players on your roster count against your team salary cap. That means fit player 52 and player 53 do not. But keep in mind, player 52 and player 53 each make like 500K a year. So it's like a very negligible difference. It's like a it's like a $1 million cap space difference. So why did all these teams make these big... Like This was not the only one. A lot of teams made moves today to restructure contracts. I think it has something to do with like... So keep in mind, if they didn't do it before this game check period, which is Wednesday at this time... It would not have included included week one's proration, so that's a game check that they would have paid up front. And and there's also think about it from the player's perspective here for a second. This is fully guaranteed money to a player up front, like cash flow immediately. They're literally they literally wrote a check to Jamal Adams today for nine point whatever it was million dollars. He gets that in his bank account immediately. There's probably a little bit of a psychological component for those players entering 2023 saying, I have that money. It's guaranteed. If I break my leg tomorrow, I still get that money. So yeah, there's basically no reason for a player to ever say no to this. I don't, I don't think. Correct. Um, I mean, unless they're, dying, unless they're dying to get out of a, a team. Um, how does rollover work? Like when does the, cause you can roll over whatever, cap you have left over into the next year's cap right when does that get calculated is that something that happens around this time too i don't think so that's following the season because okay. the league year just began i don't know exactly what date but it's like definitely Later. like after the super bowl so well so we i mean <laughs> we'll spend a little bit more time on this because i think it's a pretty big story but we do have to cover a bunch of other bases so here, here's the part that's confusing to me and why this is so confusing to me. I didn't understand why it had to be now. I think you've given me some evidence about why if they're going to do this, they do it now. Usually they don't create cap space for a move they're going to make until they need to, until they've made the move. Generally, they'll make a trade or they'll sign somebody and then they will go through before the person becomes part of the roster, they will have a clock that they need to beat to create the space for that person to also negotiate an extension and have better ideas. So like they, I think the idea that they did this in order to create space to make a move seems a little less likely, or at least a little less to script from how they've operated before. They had cap space, so I'm not exactly sure why they needed more right now. That's also confusing to me. And then I don't know, folks, I, I've been as much of a Jamal proponent or advocate as anybody on like on, probably Seahawks Twitter and definitely on this pod. Uh, Dana and I think I've been pretty united in that. I have absolutely assumed that this was his last season on the Seahawks, unless he played healthy for the whole year and played well. And that's a huge if we just went through our prediction show. And other than Dana, who predicted 17 games, 
I mean, Evan predicted he'd play one game. Now, <laughs> I, I think that that's, you know, smile at that or not. I think it's not totally crazy. He played less than one game last year. Played less so, than he had, he had, this is the most serious injury he's had in his entire career. He's had every season at pretty much end early with significant injuries and often multiple injuries. So what the hell are we doing guaranteeing this guy is going to be paid among the most, like the highest salary for a safety in the NFL next year when we're not getting that return yet. And it's like the, the, the risk, like I get the, the emotional stuff you're talking about, Dana, like giving him confidence and loyalty, but that also doesn't really ring true. Cause this team cut Richard Sherman, this team cut Bobby Wagner because of salary reasons and because of where they were in their career. So I don't know. This doesn't make sense to me. I, I I still don't get it. Can I add more color to this? Yeah. So looking at Seattle's 2023 um, cap roster, like all, all, all their salaries and everything like that. So remember the way they have to facilitate this cap relief move is a player has to have a high base salary in 2023. Okay. Not a high cap number, a high base salary. So, Here's a list of all the highest base salaries in for the 2023 Seattle Seahawks. It was Jamal Adams, number one, clear far. So clearly the highest, basically the most opportunity to facilitate that maneuver and gain cap space. Let me name off the next two players. And let me, let me ask you, Brian, if you want these two players to be absolutely committed to the Seattle Seahawks next year and in future years forward, it would be no offense at 6.85 million in 2023 no. <laughs> and will disley at 5.6 mil i like uncle will but no i don't, and, I don't, but, I don't and even it. even opening up even you know taking doing a restructure for will disley's deal would only up, open up 2.7 million million this year so it's like from a base salary perspective which is needed to restructure this it's quandre Diggs and pretty much nobody else they could do it like, like looking at next year the players that there's a load of players they could do it with next year. DK Metcalf, Quandre Diggs, Tyler Lockett, you know, Nwosu, or not Nwosu, Draymond Jones. Like this year, it's just Jamal Adams was the real only easy lever they could use. Is this them is this them cooking the, the books a little bit and inflating their their 2023 cash flow to maybe keep a a, a budget from a owner? I think, I think that, that broke ass like Every team has one. Every team has a ca- has a cash budget every year. I mean, because here's the deal: uh, everyone's looking at this like, oh, something must be happening. Uh, they have restructured Tyler Lockett and Quandre Diggs this year. Um, now they did uh, Lockett back in like May and uh, Diggs in June or July. Those moves freed up about ten million, somewhere around there, ten eleven million, something like that. So you can say that they, hey, they did need that for free agency and stuff. Um, but there was no huge corresponding move for either one of those. I mean, maybe it helped them get like Jaron Reed or something or, uh, but you know, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily buy into the idea here that this is some pending huge trade for Chris Jones or whoever. Yeah. I don't think I, it has I, to be a huge trade, right? Like there's guys that are, that are you know, less and not as expensive, but maybe just a backup or 
Is there anyone on the list, Evan, you might know this. Is there anyone on the roster that needs an extension going into next year and they need a little more money for that? The big one was Nwosu, who they took care of. They already took, okay. Well, then yeah. I don't know. Then we will yeah. have to wait. We've never been able to figure out John it, Snyder's brain. It, so. This is, <laughs> I, 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 I would say this is one of the most confusing moves in the Pete Carroll, John Schneider era. I, I mean, we I've broken down every single move that they've made over every year. And I can always come up with some explanation and understanding. I don't get this one. I, I really, really don't get it. And we'll see. We'll see how they use the cap space this year. That's the biggest open question. Maybe there's something else they've got in mind. Maybe they're expecting some injury settlements that they're whatever. I don't know. Um, or maybe there's a, a cap rule that I don't understand all that's possible as it stands. I'm super confused by it. And man, uh, Jamal Adams health just became a lot more than just like a hopeful thing. Like it is, it's a big freaking deal for the potential championship window. If you're thinking about this over the next three years, you need Jamal Adams to be healthy and good. Period. The thing I keep thinking back to was the decision to, uh, I don't remember if it was resign or extend Tyler Lockett way back, uh, his, his second contract, because he had broken his leg, and then the next year, he looked pretty mediocre. Um, and that was the year there was a lot of discussion about whether they should keep Preach or whether they should keep Lockett. Uh, I, I thought Preach was the better bet health-wise going forward, because I, I didn't think Lockett was going to regain the athleticism. And I don't know that he's the exact same player he was when he came out and was returning punts for touchdowns and everything, but clearly still, you know, very capable, very athletic player. Um, so I, I'm now maybe there are other examples where they've paid a dude that whose like knees just fell apart or something. And I don't remember it, but looking back, I feel like they've made generally good decisions when they have, uh, especially when they have like insider you know, they have their doctors who know who knows the guy and, and they can make a decision off of that. All right, let's let's move on from this topic. We've spent a, a fair amount on it and it is fascinating. Uh, <laughs> I think we've underspent spent not enough time on some of the players that have come back. Uh, I do want to come back to that, but let's actually Dana, if you wouldn't mind looking up patron questions, I want to make sure we get to some patron questions and this might lead us through some of that topic anyway. If you haven't already, give the show a like, um, subscribe, and head over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Join up. Be part of the community. The season's getting started. Now's the time to do it. You get immediate access to the Slack channel, which is amazing and fantastic conversation all around the Seahawks. And in fact, I think today there was some requests for a college football channel in our Slack, which I will create after the show. We've got Mariners talk going on there as well. It is a great place to have a pretty curated experience with other sports fans that are all cool and you don't have to deal with all the crap that goes on on Twitter. So patreon.com slash hawkblogger and the proceeds go to good causes. We've donated over $260,000 to charity over the years. We will donate more this year and you can be a part of it. Patreon.com slash hawkblogger. I will also mention we have space, not a lot, but some space left in our ring of honor tier and would love folks to join. You join early enough. You will be able to come to our annual meal that we have. It ranges. Sometimes we go fancy with Daniel's broiler. Sometimes the crew prefers going to Matador and eating nachos and having margaritas. It really depends on what the Ring of Honor patrons 
request. Would love to have you all part of it. Uh, there's limited availability for that, but take a look and uh, be part of the Ring of Honor. So, uh, Dana, do we have some patron questions to go through? Oh, oh, we have a whole list of Patreon questions today. And this first one irritates me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Mr. Mark Zuck, just saying. So his question is, who gets more sacks this season? Jalen Carter or Jamal Adams? So oh, rare. Oh. Well, who, who, who are you directing this to? I'm going to give this. I'm going to give this to Nathan. <laughs> Look at his face. He's like, me, me, me. <laughs> uh, uh, this one's actually, it's too easy. It's Jalen Carter. I don't think, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I got to see Jamal Adams play healthy first. But uh, yeah, Jalen Carter. I think that's an easy kind of no-brainer in my yeah. opinion. But yeah. Ooh, I don't know. Really? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Why? It will be interesting with Julian Love and who mm. plays where if they're going to have all three of those guys. In the, Let in me the paint a quick picture. A quick okay. picture for you. First of all, Jalen Carter's playing an interior defensive line. That is the hardest place to get sacks. It doesn't mean that he won't get them, but it's not like the best interior defensive linemen are getting like double digit, like low double digit, other than the Aaron Donalds and the Chris Joneses of the world. This is a very brave thing to say going into a Rams game. I understand. And then the other piece here is Jamal Adams in what was it like? not a full season had nine and a half sacks his first year in Seattle. He didn't get any when they started having to people knew that he was going to be blitzing. They now have enough pass rush from enough different places and enough coverage that I think it's going to be harder for people to key on Jamal Adams. And he is an excellent blitzer. He's not okay. He's excellent. And so if you put him in a position where people can't key on him and he's more unpredictable, I don't think it's crazy at all that he could have more sacks than Jalen Carter. I don't know that it's crazy. We just don't know, right? Because we don't know. We haven't sure. seen him play for a while. So I don't know if I would bet my house on it, but I don't yeah, think it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. All right. So the next one is from Troy. Um, Brian, I'm going to give this. Actually, no, Nathan. Uh, Evan. Sorry. Evan, I'm going to give this one to you. Predict Gino's line for this game. Also, which wide receiver mm. will have the best game? Oh, Lord. Uh, I think Gino had a really high completion rate last year. I think it was like second highest or something like that. I think. Was it first? Holy shit. Um, was it pl- 70 plus percent? It was 69.8. <laughs> That's so annoying. Yeah, um, he just missed it in the last game of the season. I'm, I'm going to go. Uh, I think it's going to start off hot. 21 for 25, three touchdowns, zero, zero interceptions. Maybe he runs for one. Um, I think this LA defense is is pretty pretty decimated they lost a lot of people in free agency and and just kind of like shifting assets to other teams so i think gino has a strong game which wide receiver gets the touchdowns yeah has the best game uh i think dk metcalf has a big game Mm -hmm. it's kind of sad we don't have the jalen ramsey dk fight to have anymore Mm -hmm. right like i'm bummed Mm -hmm. about that a little bit you know what i totally did yeah. it make that? I mean, I knew he was gone, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. What That's other a bummer. <laughs> There's nothing else. But you know what, though? I was at that game last year with, uh, I think it was Cashman, maybe, where literally DK ended, you know, silenced the game on that on that touchdown reception over him. So it was beautiful. So much fun. All right. Um, Brian, this one's for you. It's from Greg. It says, will the Seahawks make the playoffs? And if you believe they will, what seed will they be? I don't know if you guys did seeding last week. I don't know if we did seeding. They will make the playoffs is the prediction. So I got to stick with that. And um, 
I had them at 11 and six. So one of the wild cards, maybe like the, what, there's three wild cards. Is that right? So, so maybe the, the, the fifth seed, something like that, fourth seed, something like that. All right. That's good. I freaking hate that there's three wild cards now. I do too. Yeah. I do yeah. too. Um, all right. Nathan, this one's for you. This is from Eric. It says, I've been watching Hard Knocks and found it so interesting that Sala was preaching many of Pete's core philosophies. Feels like Pete's coaching tree is underappreciated. Why do you think that is? <laughs> I love that you asked this to Nathan. I know. Does Pete have a coaching tree? <laughs> of course he does. Yeah, I mean, Shadi's down in Dallas. That's neat. Dan, um, Daryl Bevel is literally Darryl bending Bevel. over a bed. Like Norm Chow is. Uh, but Sala is part of that tree. Yep, yep. Um, he sure did coach two years for the Jets so far. <laughs> Nathan, you're ridiculous. I, I, no, he can't like, do it. He can't this, do it. This is not like look at. Uh, Mike Holmgren and he had Andy Reid and John Gruden and and like no man like we're talking about Robert Sala like I don't think it's underappreciated <laughs> I think it's I think it's um a pre, it's yeah, it gets exactly the amount of attention it deserves which is about none all right we're gonna let I knew you could do it it's okay it's okay well I mean I, what do you all right, Dana, convince me. Sell me, sell me on Pete's well, I, It's not my question, Nathan. That was your question. Can, I, I tell me, tell me about me. the 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 amazing think... job that Ken Norton is doing somewhere. <laughs> He's not. Did he college. ever get picked up? I think he plays. He coaches UCLA. college, doesn't he? Yeah, college. Yeah. So here's my thing with Pete Carroll that I think is underappreciated. I don't know if you can say it's a coaching trait, but one thing I do think is that how different, especially in contrast to other coaches that have been told that are great, is how different his philosophy and yet he still has a very winning record and his players love him. And so I think that for a long time, the Pete Carroll philosophy was underappreciated. I think more now what you see is that his philosophy is spreading out. You see it, you know, Hipster homebrewer down in Miami sure is super positive and acts like him a lot. You got Sala up there. Um, you see a lot of these players that kind of pick up some more of those philosophies instead of the Bill Belichick way, right? And so I think that that's probably what's more under um, underrated than anything. I was else. thinking about that too because he talked about that a bit um, in that KJ interview he did the other day, mm -hmm. right? And he was talking about how like Seattle was the first team to play music at training camp, mm -hmm. uh, and that's just like a normal, absolutely normal thing. So that absolutely yes, he yeah. has had an effect on the league. I yeah. don't think it's through his coaching tree. Yeah, I know that's fair. I think that's totally fair. All right, Evan. I'm glad you're getting this one, Evan. Okay, this is from Legion of Brazil. He says, what are, he, she, I don't know, so sorry. Um, what are the reasons for being optimistic, pessimistic for this game? Please talk about the reasons to be confident and the reasons to be worried. Yeah, so... LA's offensive line was probably like one of the worst in the NFL last year. They only had two offensive linemen play 500 or more snaps last year. I, I don't know if you guys saw the stat that I think it was like every single week they had a different combination on their offensive line. Mm -hmm. um, Rob Havenstein or whatever his name is, was the only player to play all 17 games for them. So that offensive line, I think is going to continue to struggle. They added um, a guard. Steve Avila. Yep, in the draft this year, he's starting at left guard, immediate plug and play for them. Um, I think 
I don't know. If, so let me go back to the optimistic part for a second. Their secondary is decimated. They lost Taylor Rapp, Troy Hill, Jalen Ramsey. They do have Kobe Durant, who's who's a who's relatively impressive corner for them. Um, but that's a very clear like. Uh, you know, competitive competitive advantage for Seattle is we have one of the best wide receiver groups in the NFL and their secondary is completely decimated. So if Seattle's offensive line can, you know, hold Aaron Donald and whatever supporting cast he has, give Geno time, I think Seattle should put up a lot of points in this game. But let me let me answer the flip side of the question. Uh, where I'm concerned is I think Sean McVay is going to enter this game trying to absolutely run down our throats with Cam Akers. You know, Cam Akers finished 2022 with like actually four straight really impressive performances. I think it was 130 yards plus in four straight games to end 2022. Ended with a positive rushing grade. We all know Seattle's record when they allow that type of uh, rushing yard y- yards to happen against them. So you know, this is super not being talked about, but I think Cam Young practicing and being healthy and, you know, Draymond Jones addition, this will be an early test for this defense early in the year. Can they stop a Sean McVay focused Cam Akers run game in week one? If they can't, we could lose this game. We could. That was a fantastic preview, Evan. It was really good. It was really, really good. And I will say this. We have to win this game if we want to win this division. We have to. Have to, have to, have to. Yeah. So fingers crossed there. All right. Um, Oh, Brian, this one is a really good one for you. Um, So has no clue asks, wondering your thoughts on no other teams making claims on everyone the Seahawks re-signed to the practice squad. Should that be a concern for talent depth? And then they said, thank you. You're welcome. I don't know that it's a concern, but it is absolutely a signal that the Seahawks depth, like the, that the end of their roster is not the best in the NFL. I mean, there's a reason that a lot of the 49ers, like the 49ers had a number of claims. And I think generally year to year, if you look at the teams that have the most claims of their waived players, these are usually the deepest rosters in the NFL. This used to be the Seahawks. A lot of their players were claimed. And so it's not, I'm okay. It didn't happen. Cause I'm glad we got some of those guys back, but no, I, the other, if you want to be the most optimistic about it, it could be that the rest of the league is sleeping on some of the guys that the, the Seahawks have. And that if the Seahawks make a big step forward, some of these guys are going to be harder to keep during the year. Like, People can get signed off the practice squad at any time to a full 53-man roster, active roster. So we'll see throughout the season. But for now, it's it's not a particularly positive sign about that depth. Yeah. Isn't this like like they there were extremely few players claimed, right? Across lowest the claim number like 24 or something was all. Yeah, it's very low claim number. And Seahawks had two of them. Um, so I don't, yeah, it, it may not really be much of a reflection of the Seahawks at all. Mm-hmm. Well, the other point there that Pete and John referred to in the last couple of days is they were looking for some big nasties, some heavy boys, and they're like, (laughs) people are keeping those guys on their roster. There's not a lot of the big boys available to pick up. So, Did you call them big nasties? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like it. I love it. Yeah. The the war daddies, whatever whatever you want to call them. But they, they... 
I think teams are using this, you know, their roster and with the, the practice squad, they're being pretty strategic with who they're keeping in a, in a position that makes it harder for teams to claim. And uh, so that might be part of it too. Yeah. I have to say, I'm loving our chat right now where they've all decided Bobby Wagner was just a mole. It's the only reason he went to the Rams. Was to I, oh, see, hold on, hold on. So I, <laughs> they stole my thunder. I was going to ask. This oh, as, sorry. Uh, no, no, this is great. This is great though. We might as well use it right now. Evan, are you going to acknowledge the 4D chess that Pete Carroll has played by putting Bobby Wagner under Sean McVay, getting all the information about how Sean McVay plays just to bring him back so that he can now continue his streak of dominating Sean McVay where he swept him last year? I mean, are you going to acknowledge that? It really shows the desperation from Pete that he has to go through. All oh, my God. Uh, hey, thank you. Thank Bill you. Belichick cheated into multiple Super Bowls. I mean, whatever it takes to win, right? Yeah, I mean, but if you're going to cheat, get a ring out of it. I mean, what is this stuff? You end up hey, bringing back broke-ass Bobby Wagner to play middle linebacker for you so he can go be a spy for a year. Come on now. I think, I think you know, Pete. Pete's quote today was, something special is about to happen here. Did he say That's, that? Uh, he did. Oh, he also hot. said, that's "Why hot. aren't we the the he Miami, said it multiple the times. Seven, 1974 Miami Dolphins last year, right, or whatever that year?" I don't remember that. I yeah, there was a, that. Why not us? Why can't we be the undefeated Miami quit, Dolphins? Quit, quit living in the past, Nathan. We're talking about right now, <laughs> <laughs> today. Yeah, hey, I you just, guys aren't gonna believe this, but Pete was uh, uh, surprisingly optimistic today. It. it uh, it's incredible stuff. <laughs> hey, hey, who said that JSN was going to come back and play in week one? And everyone was like, are you kidding? That's just Pete being super optimistic. And who looks like he's going to play in week one? JSN. Yeah, it's pretty so, absurd. Pete is nothing but just, he's basically a realist when it comes to injuries. We should I'm just telling now. you with, with Cooper Cup being ruled out, this Rams team is going to walk into Seattle and they're going to try and run this. Right. They don't have yeah, anything else they can do. You're 100 percent right, and mm -hmm. I'm just saying, we know what they're gonna do. They know what they're gonna do. Pete Carroll knows what they're gonna do. Clint Hurt knows what they're gonna do. Let's just pray to God that they can stop that. I, I, what I don't want to hear, and I'm bracing to hear, is all the Seahawks fans saying at once, "Who the hell is Tutu Atwell?" He is the one guy that has the physical profile and can play the horizontal game that he might end up giving us some trouble. I hope that's not the case, Agreed. but that's the one guy I think uh, is, is worth calling out on the receiving core. But Van Jefferson this, is going to get more of the, the, the call, but yeah. I, I think Tutu Atwell is the one that could hurt us. This, what, this secondary should not struggle against this receiver group. Mm -mm. 100%. No, They shouldn't. I love this though. In the chat, Jason Tudor says, yeah, getting rid of Bobby. So you can have the second worst run defense was a great plan. <laughs> it's really true. It's true. Hey, All right. So let's go on. The next question is from Richie. It says, um, Oh, this one is good. Um, whoever wants to answer this one, because we talked about it a little bit already. It says, are we worried about JSN rushing back too soon and possibly re-injuring that wrist before it's fully healed? And do we think he's talented enough to be the second most productive receiver on the roster in his rookie year. I think we all think he's talented enough, right? I mean, I will just jump in there for a sec. Yeah. I am concerned about not him so much catching the ball, but bracing himself when he's going down. Mm. That's my concern. And 
uh, I'm not even like hits maybe, but it's less about that. It's more just how he's going to brace himself. So that's my concern. I, I absolutely am hoping that he's going to do the Tyler Lockett catch and go down, mm-hmm. catch and go down, make and that business decision, <laughs> just, just catch it and go down. And so if he can do that, then I think we're good. If he's going to try to extend plays, then I am going to be a little concerned. I, I want this guy in it for the rest of the year. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. Asking him to be the second most productive receiver on this uh, team. That's a well, lot. Like, just think about by the end of the year. By the end of the year, could he be the most, I guess. I feel like it would require an injury. Okay. I don't. Do you, you I, think I, he's going to outperform DK or, or Tyler Lockett? I think there is an outside chance that he ends up with the most receptions on the team this year. Okay, maybe most receptions because of his slot type role. Yeah, but... I, I think I think he is going to become a he's going to be in Gino's face constantly, right in in the middle between the hashes, and he's going to be open every single snap or almost every snap. And I, so I think I think he could pile up some pretty big numbers. Okay, so r- stack rank the the yardage for me. I think DK is still going to be tops yardage wise. And who's um, Yeah. I mean, I think DK could have his best year, but I think it's going to be in touchdowns. I think DK could have a massive touchdown year. Yeah. I don't think JSN is going to be as big of a touchdown guy, but I think he could. I, I, I'm not predicting that he's going to be number one in receptions. In fact, I predict him to be under 75, but I don't think it's crazy to think his profile of receiver, if things really click that he could end up being the number one target. I don't Well, think let's crazy. just say it. If you're a fancy football, you know, owner and you're in a PPR league draft JSN. He's going to rack up those points. You're absolutely right. I think JSN could have an awesome year and still be like the clear third best receiver. Mm-hmm. This year. You're, you're probably you're right. right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. All right, so Matt G, home opener coming up. Two related questions. One, what tradition or element from other NFL stadiums that you have personally experienced would you like most to see at Lumen Field? And it could be anything from like the Bills fans jumping through tables or the barbecue at Arrowhead. Um, and then two, what is your mo- your favorite, best, most unique element at Lumen Field? So this is a stadium question, and I love this one. But I'm going to say this. I read this one earlier. And I want to just throw out here, do you think the barbecue at Arrowhead is good? You've obviously never been to a Houston Texans tailgate because that was the most insane thing I have ever seen in my entire life. They had triple decker buses that had different kinds of barbecue on each level. Mm. Like it was chaos in that parking lot and it was all come as you are and come eat. They didn't care who you are. It was way better than Arrowhead. I had such a blast out there. All right. Um, Nathan. Do you have a tradition you would like to see? You want to jump through a table, Nathan? No, uh, Sweet, Sweet Caroline. They got to bring Sweet Caroline to uh, <laughs> Lumen. Um, in terms of what is my favorite, uh, oh, I mean, it's got to be raising the the flag. Yeah. Either one of you, Brian. You got something else? No, I think that's I think that's good. Yeah. I think they've got I think they've got it down and and uh, yeah. What's your thoughts on Lumen Field? Mm, you're putting me in a tough spot here. I just want genuine curiosity. I don't know which way you lean. I think Lumen Field is okay. I think that the fans make it great. And I think Lumen Field, for the most part, is okay. 
And I don't think, I mean, I know that I'm being careful because I know the guys that run it and, and like are responsible for the fan experience. And they, these guys are smart and they're doing their best. And like, <laughs> I've made comments about the scoreboards and they're like texting me like, dude, like, what do you expect us to do? We have like, we, we, the stadium was built the way it was built. We can't really change the scoreboards or the, the, the video boards, but, um, I love look. how you get completely different views depending on which one you look at. Like if you look <laughs> at the one that's broad, you can see so much, but like you can't see heads. And then if you look at the one that's narrow, it's like, ah, oh, that's half of the ball carrier. Cool. Nathan, this is literally a, a reenactment of me after every meaningful play at Lumen Field. And yeah, I'm watching yeah, yeah. it like <laughs> both. Like I'm trying to like catch both things to see. Like, Are you trying to like go like. I yeah, yeah. I, I, I like. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, this is going to be a play. I need to look at the wide angle. So I'm looking over. It's, it's it's annoying. And they've added the new score, the new video boards, and they're 16-9. So you get landscape and you get the, the better picture. But it's not I ideal. Like pretend, pretend like it's like CSI, uh, you know, and I'm some connoisseur of video angles. And I, ah, this one, you want the widescreen <laughs> for sure over there. Are we are yeah. we going to Niners Seahawks as a group Thanksgiving Day? Come on, dude, come do it. I will. I'm I will so down. Host, host Thanksgiving uh, meals for whoever. Comes will you actually? Too. Sure, absolutely. Oh my god, I'd totally go. Wait, yeah. I will book flights fucking tonight. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. You know Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday of the year. Like I am all. About, you see, wait a second though. You don't like Thanksgiving food, so we're gonna have issues. It's just overrated. I, I agree oh, with Quandre Jesus Diggs. That I rescind the offer. You're not allowed in my house. Uh, how you're how talk shit about your stuffing and you guys are gonna like actually throw oh it my out. God. stuffing is the only <laughs> redeemable like side dish. Sweet potato mm. casserole, mm -hmm. like there's pecan crumble. Like you're yep. just oh you you can't do nuts. Is that part of it? I mean, do a, a ton of side dishes in Thanksgiving pecan, have nuts? Oh, yeah. Pecan pie, like I can't have. a massive part of... Yeah. Okay. This is starting to become a little more clear. But it's not the dishes with nuts that I hate. Like, it's all well, the you other wouldn't ones. Know. You wouldn't know the good well, stuff because you're not having the stuff with nuts in it. Oh, you're we'll saying take... you're saying the best dishes have nuts in them. Yeah. Oh, okay. gentlemen, we have a we have a lot of we have a lot of questions to get we have a lot of questions to get through. We'll talk about this later in chat. Um, okay, so this one is from Jason, and he says, "Can someone, Evan, explain how the 49ers are able to afford their many expensive contracts in light of today's Bosa signing?" Yeah. Um... Their future cap space is uh, is rammed. Not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't even think they have. Let me put it this way: they have not calculated the Nick Bosa extension because I don't think it's hit the NFL wire yet. Maybe it did today, but we haven't seen the details. They are currently negative seven million in twenty twenty four cap space pre the Nick Bosa deal. So you know they they've got a ton of blue chip talent, which is super elite, and they're paying them and they're going to be restricted by it. So it is what it is. I don't think it's actually an awful position to be in. You want that type of talent. So it's just whether or not they can draft to supplement the players that they can't afford at the mid-tier level. Well, we already know that that's not their strong suit. So we'll see. Not in the first round. Okay. Not in the first round. Um, All right, maybe one more. 
Oh my god, I have like seven more. So yeah, are you getting tired? Are you all. getting tired, Brian? We're, we're oh my getting... gosh, I... Brian always wants to log off the podcast so <laughs> okay. early. Oh my god. Well, gosh. one is from Trey, and so I'm gonna leave that Trey. He's gonna answer that in our in our chat. Okay, so then, um, hold on, let me look. Hold on. Uh, See, real pros look at this beforehand, Dana. I, I did read them, but now I have to pick the most important. Can I do? <laughs> I, I, let's do two more. Let's do two, two more, more because Fine. I think we'll that there, there's one that um actually is kind of interesting. They're all interesting, but this one's really interesting. But first, um, this because never we have a problem this... if you let me keep doing the Patreon questions. But... Oh, Anyways, go ahead. Dana. Oh, that's, oh I'm okay. I got the table. That's calm okay. down. <laughs> anyway, oh, we lost him. <laughs> <laughs> all right so this one is um from bruden it says my real question um what does success look like for this rookie class from this year i think that that's a really good question what I, i'm gonna say if they can play 15 games <laughs> as beat up as they've been anybody else I think the bar is really high for this rookie class. I like, so. I feel like, cause I feel like you have two guys, top 20 picks, uh, Witherspoon, you know, at five, that's super high. Both look like guys that should be able to come in and contribute right away. Um, both, I don't know, needed, but like, you know, they, they, they can have a huge impact on just how good this team is uh, and how much they improved from last year. So I, I think the bar is really high on what a successful year looks like. I, I mm -hmm. totally agree and want to build a little bit on that to say part of the reason the 49ers are the 49ers and the Seahawks are the Seahawks is the 49ers have six, seven, eight, all pro level players like that. They are the top at their position or one of the top three at their position in the NFL. The Seahawks have almost none that qualify at, at that really right now. And, or if there are like, Bobby's an all pro, but he's in his last few years, right? Um, Jamal has been, but hasn't for a while. So I don't know that you can claim anyone else is on that list. I don't think Uchenna Nwosu, who was a pro bowl last year, I don't think he's on the trajectory to be one of the best players at his position in the NFL. So I think this rookie class has to have at least two players, at least two that by the end of the year, we're like, yeah, these guys could be among the best players at their position in the entire NFL. Not, at the end of the year, but we can see that that's possible. And I think we assume that that's going to be Devin Witherspoon and JSN. And I think that that's realistic, but they have to be, they have to show out. And there's other guys that could show up in that regard, but we got some, we got, I think a couple guys that could be that from last year's draft. Um, they need blue chippers that that's, that's really the, the defining factor for this being a successful draft class. Is anyone else worried about Witherspoon? I'm very worried that we've not seen him play in the NFL yet. I, I and I, I will admit I didn't watch him play much in college, so I don't know what to expect. But I'm like, we just keep talking about how fantastic he's going to be. Are we sure? Did I ever tell you this? I, I told I hadn't told Evan this, but the story about his his coach in college describing um, him in in mm -mm. practice. So I'll tell the story really quick because this, this story is stuck in my head about Devin Witherspoon. Besides all the, the tape and watching how he plays, they had a new offensive coordinator come in. And in the first practice, they ran a play like a, like a double move on Witherspoon. They weren't able to complete it. But um, the next day, they came out in the same formation and Witherspoon jumped a different route off of that, took it to the house. 
the OC went to the defense, the defensive backs coach and says, your guy is cheating. He is, he, he knows, he knows our playbook. He's doing something there. And I'm butchering the story a little bit, but Witherspoon in that moment went to and told them what every single player on the offense was going to do on that play, how he read based off of the moves that they made and where they were formation wise, why the route combination was going to be what it was and why he was able to anticipate this. You had Pete Carroll talk about this exact thing when evaluating Devin Winderspoon when he came to the VMAC, that there's nobody he's ever worked with in the secondary that had this instinct other than Troy Polamalu. And so those two things really connected for me of Pete talks about there are defensive backs that read and react. And then there's a very rare breed that just see the game happen before it happens. And that Witherspoon's one of those guys. So if he is really that, as soon as he gets on the field, he might have some, some issues, but he is smart enough. He's instinctive enough. He is talented enough that this guy's going to be a friggin' playmaker. I, I am really confident in that. So the only thing I'm concerned about is keep him on the field, keep him healthy. And I think that's a legitimate thing to worry about. But like as a player, I think Seahawks fans should stop worrying about whether he's a nickel or anything else. I think this guy's going to be great. Okay. It makes me feel yeah, better. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't know much about him. Stories like that are unbelievable because when not only is he putting him in the, you know, the the tier of Troy Polamalu, uh, this dude coached Richard Sherman right. <laughs> and, and doesn't even mention him there. Like, so you're putting and then, you know, you have uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave coming out and saying Jason's better than us. Uh, like you just have some ridiculous mm-hmm. uh hype feels like uh you know uh the wrong way to say it, it feels like condescending but like mm-hmm. the the uh yeah the expectations are through the roof yeah it'll be exciting all right so the last one and the reason why i wanted to ask this one is because the, obviously almost everyone saw that the seattle seahawks put out a preview for a movie coming out called um the season of boom and it was about the super bowl season and I got super excited because, you know, I love all those guys. But what got everyone talking was the fact that Russell Wilson is in that preview sitting down talking with everyone and everyone was chatting. But they're like, oh, my God, they got Russ to talk about this. Right. So on that note, Nick S. asks, should Wilson end up in the Seahawks ring of honor? Also, are there any other players that you think should have their number retired? Now, we have to remember, you guys, there's a finite number of numbers in football, so we have to be really careful on, I want them all. I want the entire Legion of Boom retired. No, you can't really do that, right? But um, I think the Wilson thing, coming back to something, actually, Brian, that you said in preseason, it's like, okay, we can stop hating. No, it was Evan, maybe. We can stop hating Russell Wilson now because we got everything we needed out of him. We got a Super Bowl and then all these picks, right? And I was very interested in the reaction from people who are like, oh my God, Russell came and did this. And they seemed really excited about it. So I'm going to start with you, Evan, since you were the one that brought that up. So do you think Russell belongs in the ring of honor after he retires, obviously? Without question. And and to be quite honest with you, I think, I think as the seasons wear on, fans are going to start feeling less vindictive towards him. Getting over it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, he was a part of a Super Bowl, our first Super Bowl, a vital part of it. And, um, you know, I don't know, man. Like, it's he, – if, if you want a Seahawks quarterback in the Hall of Fame, he Russell needs to pack on several more highly productive seasons. Mm-hmm. He's not there yet. 
So I think if you're rooting from a Seahawks-centric perspective to have a quarterback in the Hall of Fame wearing a Seattle Seahawks uniform, you should be rooting for him to have success. Yeah. Outside of Seattle-involved situations. All right. I think that's true. I don't think anyone would really disagree that he belongs in the in the ring. I don't know, Brian. No, I no, I, I don't no? disagree. I think <laughs> oh, I that he's gonna disagree. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I think that the reality is the way things evolved and the way people are gonna feel. I think he is. I've said this before. I think he's the Sean Alexander of quarterbacks. And Sean Alexander was the only MVP this team's ever had, and is not a guy that a lot of Seahawks fans are super fond of and super excited about. I think Russell will be more have like a much stronger connection, but he still will have that same. Sean was kind of a little bit of this veneer and, and, you know, we, you know, everyone's joking about Sean Payton saying, stop kissing babies and, and all this stuff to Russell. And I think that is going to be a lasting Sean kind of ass. So he is, yeah, he is, but he is. I, I do think that that's going to affect Russell's. I, I don't think that's going to just wear off. Um, I think that will always keep him from being as beloved as he probably should be um, the way things ended and, and just kind of his personality type. Yeah. Let, let me add one other piece here. If he's at all involved in the future return of the Seattle supersonics, a minority owner or something like that. I'm telling you, it would sway perception. He'll wear a crown in that town. A, exactly. Yeah. People will forget on day one that he yep. ever went to the Broncos. Yep. I'm just saying there's a real chance that that happens too. He played his whole career in Even if, field. Exactly. If he owns 0.01% and he's a public face, that changes everything. It's a real potential. Yeah, it's true. All right. That's our Patreon questions. Awesome. Uh, we are 10 minutes over our hour. You guys good for a little bit longer? Always. Oh, I love Do we it. ever I stay at it. an hour? I don't think uh, well, we you used to, I, you know, I, I've had to adjust <laughs> and we will not always get to all Patreon questions. We will take as many as we can within our time allotted, but uh, appreciate that. Patreon.com slash Hawk blogger. You can sign up and ask us questions every week and we will do our best to answer them. So thank you, Dana, for taking us through all of those. Let's uh, let's turn our attention to this game. Okay, uh, I think Evan gave a pretty good preview of some parts of it. Um, Nathan, I want to go to you. Actually, Dana, I'm going to go to you since you've been asking us questions. I'm going to give you a chance to answer one. What are you, what are you wanting to see in this game? Like, what is your mind going to be going to? What are you going to be getting a, a, a question that you're just? I need to see the answer to this mm -hmm. in a regular season game. What's the thing that your mind's going to, your eyes are going to kind of be drawn to? So there's two things really that I have been focusing on. I'll keep it short, but I, the first one I think for me is the offensive line and the amount of time that Gino has. So they did that pretty well this year, but with a new center and it's a little bit of shuffling, I want to watch and see how Gino reacts to the Aaron Donald rush. Cause we know that it's coming and how that line reacts to that. Cause he is truly the best defensive player in the league. I know people are all about TJ Watt right now, but I'm telling you, I still think it's Aaron Donald. So I think that that will be interesting. I, that's what I want to just see how well that works, because that in turn then is going to influence the run game and influence, you know, the longer balls to get that football to that, that sad secondary that they have. The second, obviously, I think everyone has the same questions. We want to see what the run game or what the run stop looks like. Can they, can they run defense even function better 
They looked better in some preseason games, but that wasn't even all their starting pieces. So I want to see how that starting piece on the line, how they gel together, and if they truly have focused on the run, which all these different defensive linemen have said, we will not be the 31st worst run defense in the league. We have gotten this fixed. I want to see if they did. Those are two good ones. Mm -hmm. Nathan, what's one thing, if you have more that jump out, but what's something that the Seahawks could do in this game that would dramatically increase your confidence that this team's going to be good. Knowing the team that they're going up against, knowing it's the first game of the season, is there something you could see that would actually sway your opinion about what the ceiling is for this team? Yeah, I mean, I think this game's a little hard to have like a major change of heart or uh, to really lift my expectations, but it's exactly what Dana just said. Is this defense still trash or not? Um, now, it's going to be hard because they could probably look pretty good against what is probably a pretty terrible Rams offense. Um, so it's going to be hard to get too excited uh, just off of this one game. But that, you know, them coming out and looking really good on defense is the thing that could really make me rethink, you know, predicting 10 wins or whatever for them. Evan? Same question to you. Something that could really increase your confidence that the Seahawks team is going to be as good or better than we want them to be this year. Yeah, it's kind of honestly doubling down on what Nathan said. If if we have any hopes that this defense has improved off of last year, particularly when stopping the run, then this is a team that they should show early signs of success against. Rams offensive line has struggled mightily year over year. They, you know, there's no real studs across that entire line. Um, there's no consistency year over year. Cam Akers is a productive running back. He's not a no name, but he's not, I don't think like a top three running back or anything like that. So show, I need to, I need to, I need to have Seattle show me that they can stop the run in this game. It's really that simple. I think that's good. I mean, I could go on a very long rant on this, so I won't take too much of it, but I was thinking about this today, listening to DK's presser and, and, and Pete's and others, the Legion of boom era, that was a defense led team. They were the, they set the tone. They were the dominant force on that group. The offense became very good, um, very efficient, but they didn't set the tone the way the defense. I think this year, this team is an offense oriented team. And I think that they have a chance to be a dominant force. I think there's a chance like DK wants to be an alpha. Like he is he, like, he desperately wants to be that. And I think that that hasn't happened to the extent that it really could. I think about this team and if they come out in this game and they put up 40 plus points, I'm not saying they're going to do that, but if they, if they have a dominant offensive performance, that will increase my confidence a lot in this team. Um, I, I think that's something I don't want to see a scuffling first week of the season, three and out, three and out, three and out, you know, three points, six points, 13 points, you know, like I want to see that would change. And I can understand if it's going to scuffle a little bit, but that would be a, a big thing. And then defensively it's two things. Let's just have very few, if maybe none of the just mind numbingly awful plays where guys are running wide open 
on third and 13, third and 16, where there's just, you know, major gashing of the, the defensive line for big gains on second and 10 or second and 12. And guys are gaining 16 yards on the ground. Like the lack of really shitty defensive plays will be a big thing. Like it sounds crazy, but this Seahawks team, people don't remember this. The defense part of their problem is they gave up explosive plays in large quantities, both through the air and on the ground. There was a lot of stuff where they were kind of good. And then they just give up a gasher. And so I think it's like limiting some of that, just massive explosive play problem that they're having. Um, God, I shouldn't make these comments, but it does make me think of the Delta stuff, but I won't talk about that. Um, uh, so, the other piece is turnovers. If this defense can create turnovers, um, I think that, especially in the secondary, I think I will have, if we see the combination of a good pass rush and turnovers created by the secondary, that'll be huge. So those are the two things that really jump out to me. Can I flip this question? Yeah. What needs to happen on Sunday for the Rams to win this game? The run defense needs to be what it was last year. That's really all it comes down to. Aaron Donald has to be Aaron Donald. Gino's turnover-worthy plays are just turnovers. Yeah. You know, we said last year when we weren't sure what we were getting from Gino Smith that we – that I said at that prediction show, I was like, I think that there's going to be a lot of close games. And you go back and look and there were. The games that they lost were usually really close games. I'm beginning to think, though, that they increase the talent level enough to tip to the other side of those close games. I think that that's still going to be a lot of close games, but I do think the talent level and the focus on how bad they were on the run might be exactly what they need to those couple of games. The Raiders, I know I don't like to bring that up for Evan because it gives him PTSD, but, you know, those type of games where they can tilt it back to the other side. At least I hope so. What is... What is Seattle's re- what was Seattle's record last year when they gave up 150 or more rushing yards? I mean, most teams win like 5% of those games, I think, right? <laughs> what was it? I don't know, 0 in Out something. of nine out of 9 games, what was it? Well, not 0. 2 Six? 2 and 7. <laughs> it was 1 and 8. Yeah. How many rushing yards do we need to hold the Rams to to win? Well, 149, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually, like what what actually what would be a step in the positive direction for this run defense? What is realistic and a a reasonable expectation for holding them run yardage wise? I think if you hold this team under a hundred yards, then you've got to feel I think you've got to feel pretty unequivocally good about that. Agreed. Um I mean, this we're going to get into a whole thing about why running doesn't actually matter in game state and everything, because this team should be up by 17 points for most of the game. And so uh, the Rams, if they're running, I mean, maybe they will. Maybe, you know, who knows what they're going to be trying to do with this offense. But uh, I, I don't know that game state, game state is going to be, should be fortunate or uh, should uh, help Seattle's defense here in terms of run defense. I'm really curious. I'm really curious about how Matt Stafford looks in this. Mm. I think it wouldn't shock me if he comes out and it's like, Oh wait, he is a good quarterback and him with Sean McVay. It doesn't matter who the receivers are. They're going to create some open spots and some easy passes and gain some yards. And then you add in some running 
And that offense could put up some points. Um, I don't think that's a crazy thing to expect. And then Aaron Donald. I mean, I don't think we can under understate the fact that neither Stafford or Donald played in any of the games against the Seahawks last year. You're talking about Baker Mayfield and John Walford and like, so that's meaningful. At the same time, the Rams don't have Leonard Floyd, Greg Gaines, Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey had two picks in the in the season finale. Like Ramsey specifically was a massive part of why that defense was hard to score on. And I I do think Kobe Durant's actually a really good young corner. And I think they've got some good players. Everyone's saying, hey, they're all young. I think some of those players are pretty good. So I don't think it's like just because they're young, they're bad. But the Seahawks sh- they should they should be able to move the ball on this team and if they like they're not going to find a lot of easier teams to move the ball on so but Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald man and he can be a game wrecker we've seen it before so uh, that's that's the thing it's a combination of can the offense put up enough points that doesn't really matter if the Rams put up some points too and if the Rams do is the defense going to be able to get a stop um but you have to remember one other thing yeah. The two players you mentioned, Stafford and, and Aaron Donald, both considered retiring last year. Yeah. And so did Sean and McVay. So, yeah. And so we have to keep that in mind. What is the fire level? What is the drive level? I mean, I'm Matt Stafford could get knocked to the ground once and he's like, oh, I, I should not have come back. You know what I mean? So you don't know. And that's, that's just it. You don't know what kind of player. Aaron Donald will fight because that's how he's made. But what's left in the tank? I I, I, I love and adore him. You know that, but I'm just, it'll be interesting to watch as a fan, how they react to all of this too. All right. One more question before I ask for predictions. I'd like from each of you, one player, one player on the Seahawks who, if they play well, will have the most, it will be the most meaningful thing for, for Seattle's season. Um, and, and like that, if they, if they have a good game, that it's going to be really meaningful. It doesn't matter that it's against the Rams. It's going to be meaningful. Um, Evan, I'm going to start with you on this. Who's who's one player that you think is is it's a big deal if this person has a big game for the Seahawks in week one? Draymond Jones. I thought for sure you'd answer. Jason Myers. It, it was. <laughs> you know what? Let me rephrase. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, no, but seriously, people forget how much money they paid him. They paid him a big check. Okay. They need that investment to pay off. So. Is Draymond Jones the the least talked about addition to this team? Yeah. What, There's a what, whole section of fans that forgot they picked him up. I mean, seriously. Has, has he even been like <laughs> talked about in training camp? I feel like I never see comments about him. Almost never. And, and this guy should be the best interior pass rusher the CX have had since Michael Bennett. I'm not saying he is Michael Bennett, but like, has there been any other interior pass rusher on that line for the last five years? Jadavian Clowney. <laughs> no. Um, I think that's a great answer. I love that answer. Dana, how about for you? That is a great answer. I'm just going to go with a different one because I kind of, I kind of agree with Evan, but I'm going to say Quandre. I want it because A, mm. I like Quandre, but <laughs> I want him to continue the way he ended last season. If he comes out of the gate, because, you know, he wasn't all that great at the beginning of the year. He yep. said he didn't feel like himself. So the end, Manny came on and looked great and got those interceptions. So, again, if he can do that out the gate on this one, we could get a whole season of that, and that could be huge. It's a good one. Nathan, how about you? Jaron Reed. Really? Mm-hmm. Say more. 
Like, I expect Draymond Jones to be good. I expect Quandre Diggs to be Quandre Diggs. Um, I think Jaron's one of the guys where, like, if this defense is good in the run defense really rebounds, and he's one of the guys out there saying, we're not going to be last in the league or whatever in uh, run defense, he's got to be a big part of that. And if he looks like the Jaron Reed that, we saw last year or we remember in Seattle, they, I don't think they can do it with that guy. So he needs to be, a, a, I think even more than just a quality starter for this defense to make the turn it needs to make. At I least for, to make it like, to be a, a legit like NFC championship contending team. I think that's a great one. And, and I think it's even fair to pair him and Cam Young. Mm-hmm, if, mm-hmm. if one of them, like looks really good. I think that that meets the bar that you're kind of talking about. Yeah. 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 I think that's a great one. I'm going to cheat because why, why not? It's less the specific player. It's more the position and the meaning. If one of Daryl Taylor, Derek Hall, Boye Mafe have a really strong pass rushing game and like less about like setting the edge on the run, but like that, that's separate, but really, look like they can contribute as pass rushers and pop that way. I think that's a really big deal. Uh, and I think really opens up a lot of things for this defense. So Mafe had an insane preseason. He did. And I, you know, I think Jeff and I are in the camp of like, eh, you know, yeah, really? he's, he's probably like good, but maybe rotational. Maybe he doesn't have like pro bowl ceiling kind of guy. Daryl Taylor to me has pro bowl ceiling. Uh, as a pass rusher. Um, but if Mafe or Derek Hall show up in this game and are getting a lot of pressures, that with knowing what Nuosu does on the other side already, plus knowing that Draymond Jones is there, knowing that that Jamal Adams is going to be coming back, all of a sudden the pass rush starts to look you know, multifaceted in a really interesting way and uh gets me pretty excited so i might even limit it more to mafe and hall because i think i know who terrell who daryl taylor is a pass rusher but mafe or hall if one of them has a big game i think that'd be a big deal i will give one backup name as a secondary answer evan brown could be a name to watch that's great in this game right like if there's a game to identify this is the one if he does anything but catastrophically fail I mean, I don't expect him to dominate Aaron Donald or anything. <laughs> but can you like, imagine? Can you imagine? But I just have visions of like Joey Hunt being pushed back and falling like on his yes. back. So if Evan Brown doesn't do that, positive yeah. things are happening. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, I think we all are avoiding some of the obvious answers. JSN obviously would make a big deal. Witherspoon, if Witherspoon comes out and has two picks in this game and has a pick six. I don't know if there's anything else that could happen in this game that would elicit more excitement for me than if that something like that happened. But um, that's why this is freaking fun. Like these guys are coming back. We're going to get to see a lot of these guys. And this is, I'm not super nervous about this game. It doesn't mean that they're not going to have a tough one, but I think they, this is a, 80 to 90% confidence game that the Seahawks should come out on top. And so it's more about the, the, how they come out on top than it is if they come out on top. Um, 
And with I that, love actually... the optimism of the beginning of the season. <laughs> oh, I know. I hope we still have it in a few days. Um, I just, if this team gets run down our throats, my, oof. my, I'm, I'm going to be intolerable. Like I will not be joining the post game show. I just want you to know that. Yeah. No, I'm, you I'm looking, I'm you looking will. back at this year last year and like, cause people, people keep saying, no, oh, you know, they need an uh, overtime win. So, I mean, they beat this Rams team by a combined seven points in two games last year. And mm-hmm. it was not a good Rams team. Mm-mm. They like, I had completely black holed that Falcons game. Uh, that Panthers game. Swept uh, by the team. NFC South, baby. Swept. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I didn't spend a lot of time in the offseason thinking about that. Uh, I, I did. have very, very vivid memories, though, of the Raiders game and losing that. Like, um, this this actually could be a pretty informative game. Like, if they come out and mm-hmm. they really just take care of business, then I think that's another thing that shows, like, okay, maybe they've taken a step and they're handling the teams they should handle. Um, which doesn't mean they need to win by, like, 30 points or anything. But, like, you know, if, if they are up by 17 for most of this game, even if it ends up 27-17 or something like that, that's perfectly fine right um but if they come out and they're like oh god it's the saints game again <laughs> like or oh no it's it's the the lions game and yeah they won by a lot but or, you know like it, they had to get every last point um that could you know yeah i think that's a really really good good point nathan and if the seahawks win by 15 or 20 if they win if they win comfortably even if it closes the gap at the end but it's a comfortable win a hundred percent of the reaction from folks is, yeah, that's what they should do against the Rams. The Rams suck. And it will, the Rams sucked last year and maybe more so than they do in some cases this year. And, and they couldn't put them away. So I do think it will be meaningful if they get separation from this team for sure. And man, it would be fun, man. Let's, Come on. Can we just have a fun year where the, the offense is good? The defense is good. Like, couldn't that just be, can we do that? Brian, Brian, please do that? Brian, you know, better. That is not Seahawks football. We got that two years. That was it. Uh, <laughs> we didn't get it anymore. I really such want a that weird world. If like this defense was like just next level, like something absurd, like a top 10, top 15 unit and this offense just fell off a cliff. And Gino, turn, and turns, Gino, back Gino turns back into Gino. Is, <laughs> how, how impossible is that actually though? I don't I know. Think that's I would, highly unlikely. It's pretty unlikely. It would be a lot of fun though to make all the Pete jokes. Oh, for Christ. I'd be all about it. <laughs> I, I don't know if I even understand what those jokes would be. That you uh, know, considering... he, he was given this great, he had a, a great quarterback, but he couldn't, uh, he had I to turn him it. back into a pumpkin, he had to sacrifice it all just to get his defense back. And what to get him a seven to nine record? They missed the playoffs. Won't embrace offense, Pete. I, I'm ready to go. I don't understand <laughs> you people sometimes. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's get to let's get to predictions. Uh, first predictions of the year and I will release everybody of their requirement to honor their season long predictions. Um, so don't feel like you've got to marry up with that. You get more information as we get closer to the game reminder, you got to pick the winner and you got to pick the score. So Evan, I'm going to start with you. What is going to be the score of this game and who's going to win? I think it's, 30 to 13 Seattle. Hmm. 
I think the first half they come out looking rough and Seattle's offense, their defense, they figure it out in the second half and they start to pull away. So I think this first half though, we're going to be in for a little bit of a nightmare and a little bit of a scare. So what did I say? 30 to 13, 30 to 13. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Nathan. Uh, 27, 17. And I think I go kind of what Evan said. I think they come out, they look good. And then in the second half, they just kind of sit on a lead against a team that can't really do anything. And it closes up a little bit. Dana. I'm sticking with my close game prediction from last year. I think it's going to be 24, 17. And it's not because I don't think that they can't put up those big numbers. I just don't know in the first game if they will. We'll see. Yeah. I, as we get, I've, so I've already made a prediction for this game. And so I'll stick with what that was as we get closer to the game. And I look a little more closely at the team. I'm, I want to go the Evan and Nathan route where it's, it's a little bit more spread out and the Seahawks. And there's part of me that thinks that's what might happen. But the Seahawks generally start slow on offense. There's a lot of scuffling around and things just aren't quite as clean as you want them to be. McVeigh division games are usually close. So, and Aaron Donald's Aaron Donald. So I think I, I'm Seahawks win this game. Um, I've got it 23 16. Uh, no relation to your prediction, Dana, but, but a similar kind of game here. And uh, man, this is different. So by the way, Vegas has got the Seahawks as five and a half point favorites. And this is, I think before all the cup news, but, but or at least the cup finals news. And I think the over under was like 47 or something. So the implied score is, what is that? Like 26, 21 or something like that. Um, uh, of what Vegas is expecting this game to be or 27, 21, depending on how you look at it. So I don't know if I see that many points getting scored, but if they do, let's hope it's, Let's hope it's like 41 to six. Uh, that would be fun. That would be a fun way to get to that total. So, all right. Uh, honestly, 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 I could talk the rest of the night. There's so many more things I'd like to talk about the Seahawks, but I, I do want to keep folks from, uh, don't want to keep folks from the rest of their evening. So going to let folks go on that. Thank you to Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter, Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11. Congratulations to his technical prowess tonight. Um, we actually heard him and he did not freeze for almost the entire broadcast. Great progress, Nathan. And Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB. It's been great talking to y'all. I am so excited. It's week one of the season. I is going to be hard to wait. Tomorrow we get to see the Lions play the Chiefs. Lions team that we play what week two? Yep, week two right? in in Detroit. In Detroit, so we get to preview our next opponent tomorrow night. I am super excited to sit down and watch NFL football. We will be, I'm sure, all tweeting and texting and all that good stuff about it. Talk to all of you later. For now, please give the show a like, subscribe to the channel, and go to Patreon.com/slash/HawkVlogger. Join now. Do it. You will not regret it. I promise consider joining the ring of honor before there are no more spots left. We will not give you the Russell Wilson treatment. We will embrace you right away as a ring of honor member. So uh, come on in patreon.com slash Hawk blogger until next time we will do a post game show. We will talk to you then have a great night and go. 
Hey folks, this is Brian Nemhauser. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. I want you to know that Real Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast platforms. Go ahead and subscribe. Have all podcasts delivered directly to your phone after each and every show. And then go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Helps us out, gets more people to the show. Then, if you haven't already done it, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and subscribe for just five bucks a month. Gets you immediate access to our Slack channel. Join hundreds of folks in that community to talk Seahawks about wins, losses, and all things in between. Not to mention, become eligible to win giveaways for Seahawks tickets and get to ask questions of the Real Hawk Talk crew every week on the show. Finally, if you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com recently, head on over. Tail the Tape Morning After articles are there every week. Hoping to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. Go Hawks.